Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. friends, and welcome back to another episode of Chapters of Motherhood. Today, we are joined by Elise Knox, and Elise is a life and wellness coach, yoga teacher, and a former middle school teacher. And she's here to talk to us about how to stay connected with your teenager through adolescence. Welcome, Elise. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I am a former middle school teacher, and when I had, when I got pregnant, I realized like within a few weeks of being pregnant that I didn't want to be a full-time teacher, that I really wanted to be a mom mostly. And I knew that I couldn't do both well. Teaching takes a lot of, of time and energy. So I took some time off from that and just really devoted my life to my little, my daughter. And then I had another daughter. And um, somewhere along the way, I found health coaching because I've had some health problems. So I found health coaching and I loved everything about it. And once I became a health coach, I loved working with moms. And I realized very quickly that I didn't love working with moms on diets, which was a lot of like what the kind of health coaching that I had done was. And I loved working with them on just like lifestyle and enjoying their life and being, you know, healthy in their life, but not like specific weight loss or diet. And then I got this job, I got like kind of out of the blue, I got a position in a middle school and high school doing health coaching with teens. And I was like, this is not what I, I was not planning on going back into a school. This isn't really what I wasn't in the plans, but I took it because it was interesting. And I loved working with teens again in a different setting. So I wasn't like doing prep work for my classroom. I wasn't managing behaviors. I was working one-on-one. And so I loved that. And then I also realized it was hard to coach teens like in a bubble by themselves without incorporating the family because like any behavior change or anything like that, like it, it depends on your environment. And so if I was working a lot with a student and then they were going home to the same environment with nothing changing, they're having a hard time making changes. So then I kind of went back out on my own. And I also took a really in-depth life coaching program course so that I could really coach on what I love, which is mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, embodiment of all these practices. And so, yeah, here I am today working with both moms and teens. And then when I work with the teens, I incorporate the family into that. Okay. So let me ask you this. How old are your children now? Yeah. So I have a six-year-old turning six on Wednesday and an almost nine-year-old and a 24-year-old stepson. Okay. Okay. 
So right now your experience with the children being young, and so you get to watch them grow up and you're working with um, high school kids, right? And the parents. And you also have experience with the stepson. Did you see him go through like the teenage years as well? I did. And they were very hard. Um, Yes. So I struggled a lot as a teenager. I came from a very, you know, quote unquote, good home. I put that in quotes because we all have our stories about our childhoods, right? Right, right. (laughs) Um, But like really supportive parents. And I hit like 12 or 13 and just, I was the youngest. I didn't like fitting into the mold that my brother and sister had kind of set and like expectations. And so I just did everything differently. And with my stepson, I was young. I was 25, like in my late 20s, early 30s when he was a teen. And it was really challenging. He was pushing every limit and boundary. I didn't really know. I didn't have the skills I have today. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really challenging. Okay. So you could see, you could see the difference of um, not having the experience to now today, having the knowledge, the experience, and I guess case studies, right? With your um, students, right? So let me ask you this. um, What would it look like if I came to you and I'm like, Elise, I'm really struggling with, you know, my daughter, I think she's going through um, a depression because we moved and she doesn't Mm. have friends and she's entering her, her preteens. I want to stay connected. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm making this as an example because I have a really great relationship with my daughter, but I started to notice that. And so I immediately thought, okay, I got to get her some friends. I got to get her involved. I got to get her to interact. And I've taken her to like homeschool groups with other kids her age, and she's still very reluctant to talk. And so what, what would you suggest that I do for my daughter? Hmm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so something that's really interesting about this time of adolescence, I'm also like very fascinated with brain development in adolescence. And I use that when I work with parents who are struggling with their teens and also when I'm working with the teens. Because I feel like if you can understand what's going on, it doesn't make it always easier, but at least it doesn't always feel so personal. And so something that's going on for teens is that like, so A, your daughter just moved to a new place. And B, during those like early teen years, preteen teen years, the human brain it becomes aware of what other people are thinking for the first time. So this like worry, like constantly projecting. I mean, I don't know if, if you've experienced this with your daughters, but a lot of my clients like will not order. They will not, they cannot go into a restaurant or like Jamba Juice or Starbucks and order a drink. It's like when I talk to them about it, they're like, I couldn't like, oh my gosh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's <laughs> this new awareness. And so I think being for the parents, like understanding that and just being really gentle with not pushing, but also like continuing to provide opportunities for them to push their comfort zone a little bit without like forcing them to do it. Okay. You know what? I like that you just said that because growing up, I was so shy. I was so mm-hmm. shy. I was afraid to use my voice. I was like, 
I wanted to hide as much as I could. I was that kid that was clinging to the mom and I would hold my mom's arm and I was like mm. tucked under her wing all the time. Oh, yeah. So if you see me now, you're like, no way. <laughs> but that was one of the things that I used to do too. I'm like, I can't order for myself. Somebody has to order for me. Somebody has to pick up my clothes. Like I can't do any of this stuff by myself. And feeling the way that I felt, I was a teen mom. And with my son, my, my first is a, is a boy. And with my son, I thought, I don't want them to grow up the way that I did and not have a voice. So I immediately started telling them like, what is it that you want to order? Okay. I want you, I want a hamburger. Okay. When the waitress comes, wait until she looks at you and then tell her your order. And I've been doing that with all my kids. So now even the five-year-old will say, I want cheese pizza. And so that's how I help them growing up. But um, a little backstory, I don't want to hijack this, but a little backstory is, oh, yeah. you know, um, I have two adult children. And like I said, I was a teen mom. I was very young when I had both of them and they're adults now. But my son, when they went into their teens, I had just gone to through a second divorce and our lives completely changed. And so my son had a psychotic break. It was bound to happen. You know, as much as I saw the warning signs, I missed them because, you know, I was like, I don't know. I just missed them. I missed his, his warning signs until, until, until I finally realized like, wait a minute, this, this kid changed overnight. This isn't my son. And Mm -hmm. so my struggles were a lot different with him than they were with my, with his sister, with my oldest daughter. And with everything that happened with him, he had to go away to an institution and my daughter Mm -hmm. was very depressed. And Mm -hmm. when I saw her and then, and then I immediately got pregnant and and started having another, uh, another family. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, she was still with me, but she was no longer the attention. She was no longer the baby. She now had Mm -hmm. responsibilities and she had just turned 14 when all Mm -hmm. this happened. And so I started paying really close attention because she started showing signs of depression. So I immediately put her into therapy and Mm -hmm. we went to therapy together and she started to really improve. But then as an adult, she had also a mental break, not a psychotic Mm -hmm. break, just uh, more of a mental and Mm -hmm. where she just didn't know how to cope, more anxiety, things like that. And so I'm noticing that a lot of teenagers and young adults are starting to have mental illness. What is your experience with that? Have you experienced that? Yeah. So, I mean, my certification is I have some limits as what I can coach. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very aware when I worked in the school setting, I worked with a family marriage therapist. So I was constantly in in communication with her. If I had a, one of my teen clients who was showing signs of things that just didn't feel that I didn't feel comfortable coaching on. And like, that was a really wonderful connection because there were a lot of things that I could coach on. But it was nice to have her as like my, my backup, you know? if something were to feel a little bit out of my like comfort zone. But I have noticed that there is a lot of increase. I think it's a combination of like, just we have so much more awareness now Mm -hmm. and acceptance for like what's going on mentally. 
for our teens and for adults as well. Uh, my dad is 78, side note, and he just started seeing a therapist for the first time. That's actually so powerful. I feel like, yeah. So I think that there's both, you know, I think like these, some of the issues have been here for a long time, but they haven't been acceptable. And now that we're talking to our teens about it, the fact that I have parents calling and saying like, hey, everything's good, but I'm seeing some early signs that I'm just a little bit concerned about. Like, is that something you can work with my kid on? Absolutely. I don't work with teens if they're like in a really deep depression or having like anxiety attacks, but I definitely have worked with teens who kind of come in and out of that. Okay. So then let's just say that, that I have an angst teenager Uh and she just wants to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants to do it and rules are suggestions and she doesn't want to follow them. Right. And so what do we do at that point? Like usually what this happens at 13, 14, mm-hmm. especially with girls <laughs> that uh-huh. think like I'm grown, you know, I've, I've, I'm a grown woman now. And it's like, no, honey, you just had your period. You're not a grown woman yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what would you suggest to a parent that's going through that where it's like, you know, calm down, slow down, and let's get focused on either education or what you want to do with your life or, you know, whatever, like what, what would you suggest there? Yeah, so that's actually the bulk of my clients is like 13 year old girls and of my teen clients. And I think it's a combination of like, it's really supportive for them to have another adult to talk to that's not their mom who can help with some perspectives. And even if I'm saying the same things that their mom may be saying, it feels different for them. Mm-hmm. And I can um, really be that like non judgmental space and oftentimes they will like process themselves out a little bit of like saying it out loud to someone who's not my mom who I'm not who I'm not in this like deep struggle with I realize I'm being a little irrational that's also part of what's happening in the teenage brain at that age is that they like they're not always rational you know but I do think having someone and I think for the parent having someone to talk to who's not a peer, who the parent trusts can be really supportive. And on the parent side, I just feel like so much of parenting, especially through teen years, especially as a mom of a teenage daughter, is really like doing self work. So like so many of us moms have wounds from childhood, from adolescence, from middle school, from high school, And so if we haven't really worked on those, we just, we end up projecting them onto our daughters. Mm -hmm. And like one client, mom and daughter is coming to mind right now where like the daughter has her first boyfriend. She's definitely in the phase you're talking about. And they are like, like, I I see her every other week, you know, and she's like, they like maybe hold hands. They've never kissed. Like, it's very, very just you know, like very early, like they're friends, but they yeah. call each other boyfriend very and girlfriend. Very puppy love. Yeah. And the mom is like immediately at pregnancy <laughs> or like broken heart, you know, because yeah. that was her experience at that age. And her daughter is like, like, what? And like, dr- like her mom has gone from like zero to 60 because of an experience that she had probably at maybe a little bit older, but like her first boyfriend. And the girl, the daughter, the 13 year old is like, what 
like you're crazy. <laughs> and so I oftentimes when I work with teens, that's why I always bring the parents in because I'm like, like I can really work with your daughter, but I also think it would be really supportive to have some sessions for you to like help identify these things that are these triggers that you're experiencing. Yeah. You know what, as you're, as you're speaking about it, I'm thinking, wow, how helpful would that have been if I was growing up, if I had somebody like you um, with my mom, because that's the same thing. You know, I had my very first boyfriend at 14 and it was very much puppy love. Like he didn't like, you know, I ended up marrying him, but in the very beginning, he didn't like touch me. He didn't do anything. It was very like handholding, a little kissing here and there. There was never like, you know, base two or three or anything like that. Yeah until years later, we were together for so long. And of course I did get pregnant on my first time. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's fears did come true, but it was more about like, I couldn't talk to her because she was spending Mm -hmm. all her energy Mm -hmm. trying to separate us. And all Mm -hmm. that did was bring us closer together. Uh So at that point, like, how do you, how do you talk to mom? Like, how do you talk to mom and say, or mom or dad, do you ever work with dads? Um, I, I, I like, I have worked with dads. I have worked with men. I typically the mom, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm open to it. It's just not what usually comes through my door. Okay. So then at yeah. that point, like what would, what, what would you have said to my mom at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really, it's not a quick fix because me saying to her, like, giving her information is not really what she needs like she needs to be able to process what her emotions are and what she's feeling about as well and then really like looking at like the actions that she's taking and then the actions that you guys were taking like really objectively look at the situation because I think you know for any of us when we're in it we're unable to see that like the things we're doing are the exact opposite of what we want to happen and like what you said about your mom is the perfect example, I think, of what, what happens in early adolescence with moms and daughters across the board, whether it's boyfriends or grades or friends or whatever, is the mom like wants to protect the daughter mm-hmm. from whatever it is she experienced or whatever she sees that she doesn't agree with. And so she becomes even more mama bear overbearing, trying to control because of what happens for the teen, they're trying to pull away like the energy of the mom is like needy and controlling, the more the teen is just pulling away. Mm-hmm. And so really it is like, that's why I love, I love working with like the, the work that I do with moms and teens is similar and very different. With a mom, we go a lot like deeper into their experiences and why they're feeling the ways that they are, because usually it's something that happened to them. And then with the team, it's much wider. Like we're looking at a lot of different things, areas of their lives and like what's going on with friends. And so I would really just be such an open, loving, compassionate presence with the mom and also really try to open up the view a little bit more. All yeah. right. So then let me ask you this. So as a grown adult now, as a grown woman yourself, what was your experience with your mom growing up as a teenager? Do you mind speaking on that? Not at all. It was very much this, you know, like I was really close to my mom when I was little and we were very similar. And then when I got to teen, preteen, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I just wanted nothing else but to be with my friends. 
and I didn't want anything to do with my parents and they embarrassed me and I was I was like I went through a really like unkind period of time in my adolescence middle school especially where I grew up it was a very small town there wasn't a lot of different groups and the group that I really wanted to be a part of was wild and not always really nice to each other or to other people. And so I very much like changed so much from who I was as a little girl to be part of this group. And part of that was like really pushing my mom away. And I really like, that's why I'm so drawn to this work is I feel like I missed out on like a good six years of really having like a close connection with my mom. And of course, it's so interesting working with moms and daughters in this period now, because it's like, they'll have these big things. And then they also have these moments of really close connection. And that's how it was with my mom too. It's not like we were like estranged or I never hugged her or any of that. But there was a lot of me like not being kind to her and her worrying all the time and trying to, you know, my parents were really open-minded about a lot of things, but it was authoritarian slash authoritative, you know, like they were very much, I got like one night a week at my friend's house. We lived way out in the country, so nobody ever came to our house. So I am doing things a little bit different with my kids and how I want to be with them, but I also really respect the way that my parents were with me. And I think there's a better way to do adolescence. And I think sometimes that might look like reaching out for support for both the mom and the team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So how can we improve our communication with our daughters? Yeah. So this is another really like something that I work with parents on and something that I'm constantly coming back to myself. So there's a few different aspects that I work with parents on. One of them is listening. So oftentimes I have a lot of moms say like, I can't say anything without triggering them or without like, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. And so again, like with communication, I feel like a lot of it is kind of personal work on our end as moms so that we're coming into situations with cleaner energy and not projecting our own stuff onto our kids. And so um, I really talked to moms about like processing some of that stuff that you went through as a younger teen. And then I like to use uh, nonviolent communication. Um, I actually have like a, a free PDF of all about nonviolent communication and how to use it with your teens because it's very non-projecting. And oftentimes like the, the English language is such that we say things like, I feel like you are um, upset with me and I feel you is actually not a feeling. Okay. It's like, and I think that you're upset with me. Right. And so when we use feeling, when we say like, I feel without saying what's actually happening for us in our bodies, what we're actually feeling, it automatically like the other person kind of starts to put their guard up and they feel a little bit like you're telling them they're doing something wrong. And so it's really taking responsibility and ownership for like what my feelings are like, maybe I feel upset. 
I feel sad. And then really identifying like, what are the needs in the situation? So like, like maybe I need to like, I need love or I need something that is like really just like what I need in my, like for myself. And when we like, when we go through these, this way of nonviolent communication, it takes the like projecting off of the conversation so that when you have, when you try to go, when you go to have a hard conversation with your teen, it's not blaming or judgmental. It's very much like you've thought about it. You have these feelings, you have these needs and you're taking ownership of your stuff and you're expressing it to them. So um, it's something that I, I like teach a free class on once a month, just because I feel like it's super supportive to parents who obviously have to have challenging conversations with their teens. Okay. So, so you said that you offer a free communication. Um, I'll definitely link that into the show notes. So how do you offer these free talks? Yeah. Do you do it like on Instagram? Do you do it like on a web, on a Zoom webinar? Like how, how would you do that? And how can I link it for my listeners? Yeah. So I have um, like a PDF kind of guide for like how to like, just so that you're familiar with what I'm talking about. And then I do a class on Zoom the second Thursday of every month. And I'm thinking about hosting it like maybe on Facebook or somewhere else. But I like Zoom because I like to be able to coach. Okay. Um, like sometimes if it's a smaller group, then I can actually do laser like coaching with somebody on a specific situation that they have. And I'm sure I could do that on Facebook too. I'm just not super tech savvy yet. So I do it on Zoom and I will share the link with you for that. Oh, yes. I think I think my listeners would appreciate that. So yeah, this sounds great. So let's just say that um, I do have a listener out there. And she's like at her wits end with her teen daughter who just turned, I don't know, 15 or whatever, right? Or 16. How, how would she be able to contact you? Or like, what is it that you would like offer? As far as like, yeah. I'm coming to you with my problem. My teen is just out of control. She just wants to go out and, you know, to concerts on her own, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's mom who's like, I don't want to let my little girl go. Right. Mm-hmm. So what do you offer to the mom to allow your daughter to, to flower, to, to be the person that she wants to be? And it's not always just sex, mom. It's not about sex. Right. So how would you like, give me a little sample of what that coaching would look like? Yeah. So um, that would be like my mom centered coaching and I definitely have two tracks. So typically it's always a mom that calls and then explains what's going on. And then we kind of decide like, would it be best to do coaching with the team? In which case I would set up another call with the team to see if we're a good fit or is it coaching with the mom? And with, moms I do like a six month coaching container if you will because it's always deeper like those things that are going on for mom have been going on for 30 years or however long you know if you have a team so we would really just take the first few sessions to get a little bit of a history and a background on what's going on without like diving into what exactly happened in the past I like to have a clear picture of what has happened because what I find oftentimes with women and moms especially is you know one of my last coach training was a trauma-informed coach training 
And one of the questions on my questionnaire that I send out to all my new mom clients is like, do you have any significant um, or like any trauma that you want to share with me in this questionnaire? And 90% of the time it's like, nope, all good. And when I start asking questions, it's like just so many things that would be considered trauma Mm -hmm. on most levels. And, but as women and as moms, we are like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Like I, that's not bothering me. Like I healed from whatever it is. And when I point it out to the moms, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Or like, they'll come to me and be like, so when I was filling out that paperwork, I realized for the first time that like this thing that happened to me, that was a really big deal. And I've never really talked about it. And so that is something that we work on together because oftentimes that is one of the things that is coming up with their teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if you had any like sexual trauma as a child or abuse or anything, and you have a daughter, of course, mm-hmm. like you're going to be so protective and there's going to be so much fear and you're going to be wanting to hold so tightly mm-hmm. because you would never want what happened to you to happen to her. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really like having, creating a space for the mom to be seen and to process and to be held and to be held in compassion and no judgment and just like be able to express and talk about those things can be a huge support. And then I also... um I do something, I, one of the modalities that I've um, trained in is called internal family systems and it's a form of therapy and they're coaching. They have like ways to use it in coaching too, where um, we have these different parts that are within us, like our overprotective part and our like judgmental part and all of those things. And so sometimes I work with that because oftentimes like moms are like I don't want to be like this but I can't help myself mm-hmm. like this something just takes over and I can't control myself I mean I have this experience as a mom sometimes too you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. I'm like I want to be fun loving but like I need the things to be done in a certain way and I get kind of crazy about it so really working with the different parts that are coming and taking over and um, identifying them and like so that when they're happening in the moment the mom can be like, oh, this is what's happening right now. Is this how I want to be acting? Or can I take a few breaths and regroup and come in a different, with a different attitude? Okay. Let me, as you were talking, I just remember something that um, comes to mind for me. And I'm also very protective (laughs) of my kids. And I, (laughs) I tried to do it differently with my oldest ones. And I'm going to try to do it different with my younger ones, but my husband is also extremely overprotective. And so my daughter was recently invited to a sleepover and I thought, oh, you know, I can take her to the party, but not sleep over. Like I'll leave her late. And then when everybody's ready to go to sleep, I'll take her home and bring her back in the morning, you know? And I thought, you know, I I just, I want her here because I know that he's not going to be comfortable with it. And with my older kids, um, with my daughter specifically, same thing. Um, I'm like, I know you can't spend the night at your friend's house. They can spend the night over here though. And um, yeah, you guys want to go to a concert. That's fine. I'll take you. 
Um, you guys want to go to the movie? Awesome. I like the movies. I'll take you. And so I insert myself a lot, <laughs> a lot because I'm just mm-hmm. so scared because it's like, you know, that's my little girl and she doesn't know how to defend herself if something were to happen. And so mm-hmm. what would you say to me? Because see, I'm already anxious. My hands are sweating. I'm already anxious even thinking of like, I can't let them spend the night anywhere else. I'll take them and they can spend the night here, mm-hmm. but I can't just let you go. What do I yeah. do? Yeah. So I would ask a couple questions. I would ask like, what is it that you're most afraid of? Um, I guess the thing that I'm most afraid of is someone taking advantage of her and her not using her voice or being able to fight back or um, getting her feelings hurt because I did my, my, my oldest daughter, I let her go. Like when she was like, I think eight, 10, maybe I let her go down to her friend's house, which it was a neighbor. It was like three houses down the street. And they were just, the parents were just rude. They were very rude to her. They didn't do anything like bad. They were just rude. They're like, Oh, you're here again. Oh, don't you have a home? Don't they were just like extremely rude. Like who talks to a child like that? You mm-hmm. know, if you have a problem, you come to me and, and I'll be like, yeah. okay, you can't go over. So that is my fear is like someone being like really rude. And then she came home, of course, crying and it put a strain on their friendship because their, their friendship broke up at that point. Yeah. So I guess that's my fear. It's like, I don't want her to experience any type of like rudeness and mm-hmm. it hurt her feelings because if she, if she would just like, like could take it like, well. I'm here to see your daughter, not you anyway. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. Yeah. So I would say like that is like you have experience with letting your daughter go to someone else's house, your older, your oldest daughter who's grown, who's an adult now and a bad thing happened and it felt horrible. You felt responsible. You also mentioned as a child, you didn't, you were not like using your voice, standing up for yourself wasn't something that was really strong for you. So you're Mm -hmm. extra aware of that with your children. Mm -hmm. And you also said that like, you've been very, because you didn't have that, you have really worked with your kids on expressing themselves on using their voices. And so my other question would be like, how is it holding them back not to let them like have these experiences for them to use this skill that you've been teaching them for their whole life? Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess, I mean, I guess that's true. It's like, I am teaching them and they do have to experience it in order to use it. Mm. But it's still such a scary thing. I don't want you to be hurt. (laughs) Totally. No. And that's like, I think that's where 100% I'm the same way with my daughters. You know, I think that's where having someone else comes into play like having someone to really open up to and talk to about this and maybe if having your child have support if if it comes to that stand like where you are concerned is that we are mothers we feel the pain that our children feel it's impossible to be objective about our own not impossible but it's very challenging Mm -hmm. about our own relationships and our own patterns but I would also say that it's very much you like protecting and at some point it's going to be them pushing Mm -hmm. and it's going to be even harder you know and so like finding tiny ways that you can let them have you know and I think it's amazing to be a parent who 
says, oh, you want to go to the concert? I'll take you. Like, that's a wonderful gift that you give to your children. And I imagine that they're very open with you. And are there small ways that you can let them have these little experiences that you don't have, that something might happen so that they can use those skills you've been teaching them? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. And and you know what I do have to say up until my son had his psychotic break, I was loving the teenage years because I did develop a very close relationship with my children and they would tell me everything like things that I didn't even want to hear. I'm like, I don't want to hear about you (laughs) kissing a girl. I don't want to hear it. But he would tell me everything. And I had a great experience up until this, you know, I mean, how do you deal with that? It's, It's extremely hard, you know? But before that, it was it was a great experience. And um, with my daughters, my youngest daughters right now, like I said, she's only 11. She's about to turn 12. And we have like already a really great relationship where I do devote nighttime to her, like Mm. from eight to nine thirty. It's Sophia time, like nobody else interrupts. This is our time together. Like even phone calls, even my husband will call me. I'm like, I can't I can't Sophia's time. And so I carve that time out for her. And also with the little ones, I'm, I'm trying to get them involved as well. So it's really, um, would you agree that it really starts when they're very young to have that communication and that trust build up? And as you're mentioning, like, how are they going to be able to use those skills if I don't let them go out on their own, right? So yeah, I would say a hundred percent it starts like you will be so much better off in teen years if you have implemented these things before the teen years start if you don't have open communication in the pre-adolescent and you're not like you know showing up and putting your phone down and giving them your attention and showing them that you're a safe space to share with that's not going to just come naturally when they're also starting to pull away so a hundred percent starting when you're starting is for sure the best thing. So I would just like invite you to think of a thing that feels pretty safe, but a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge for you and try that and see what happens. Okay. Okay. Like, like there's this real simple thing. She's really into Harry Potter. Today is the day of like the new Harry Potter Dumbledore secret or something like that. It's coming out and she wanted to go to the movies with a friend. I'm like, yeah, your friend can come with us. <laughs> But I, it's, I'm still like trying to figure out like, okay, when am I going to let her and her friends just go on their own or maybe just like, let them go in one theater and I'll be in a different one. Like, you know, yeah, baby steps, right. For me. totally, (laughs) Absolutely. And that's like, that's how we make change. I mean, that's like, that's how we make change in anything we do. We make small shifts and eventually like we get more comfortable and things, larger things change, but being like, okay, now I'm just going to let her go to a sleepover at someone's house I don't know. It's just setting yourself up for disaster, but saying, yeah, of course, go to like you and your friend can go to that theater. I'll be here to pick you up, whether you stay wherever you are and that is fine. But like, that's a, that feels like a good step for you. It sounds like, and that would be a perfect first step. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Um, I think the last piece is, I kind of started talking about it, but then I got into nonviolent communication, but it's really just listening. So I have like these three steps for listening without judgment, because what a lot of moms say is like, things are really good with my daughter. And 
like when she starts talking about all of her things like it's so hard for me not to judge and to be judgmental about it and to kind of put my own like be like that's that's a terrible idea or whatever it is you know and so um the first thing that I like to tell my mom is when some when your daughter comes to you with something really clarify like does she want your advice probably not does she want you to just listen to her like what is it that she wants from whatever it is she's sharing because as a parent we're usually like how can I fix this problem right you know I need to fix everything for you let me fix (laughs) everything you're not capable of making your own decisions so I'll fix it (laughs) I'll fix it and often like they just want to share something with Mm -hmm. you and so it's like a little clunky at the beginning but being having clarity about what they want to what they want from you is really helpful and then if they say like I just want you to listen the second step is just to take a deep breath and like open yourself up to just being the listener and turning off the fixer and so you know like for me breath is very important because it's just a built-in pause and it's something that I have with me all the time and it really regulates your nervous system when you do just like a slow inhale and exhale and it's not like an obvious thing to everybody around you so really like connecting taking a breath getting into open listening versus closed fixing problems and then the final step is to accept their process So I kind of mentioned at the beginning that teens can be very shy and embarrassed because they're able to see other people's, like that other people might be thinking about them. It's like they're, they're able to take a perspective that they've never been able to take before. And it also means they're able, like they start having new problem solving skills. And sometimes this is very alarming to parents because the way that they would solve a problem is not the way we would solve a problem. Hmm. And allowing them to like have that process. And it doesn't mean that accepting and allowing them to have their process means you say, okay, that's a great idea. Why don't you go do that? Mm-hmm. It just means that while you're, while you're listening to them, you're like, okay, you can ask questions. Always great to ask questions in an unjudgmental way again, but to like find out a little bit more get a little bit deeper hopefully you're not asking like um leading questions to like lead them to the fact that you don't think it's a good idea but leading like just being like curious you know open and curious and that really is is so helpful when when your teen is coming to you and and wanting to share okay because like you said like you want them to keep sharing if every time they come to you and you try to give them advice or try to fix the problem or like point out, hopefully you wouldn't tell them their idea is bad, but like point out the areas that their idea wouldn't work. It's just, they're going to stop coming to you and sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to keep those lines open, just really like clarify, take a deep breath and stay open and accept what their process is. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea because I hear a lot of people when the kids start talking about what they want to do, it's like immediately like, well, that's not going to work. Well, that's not possible. Well, magic doesn't work. Well, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the more you get angry or you get confrontational, the less they're going to come to you and talk to you about anything. Yeah. If they can't talk to you about something simple, how are they going to come to you and talk to you about something major? Yeah. Hide it. Yeah. And so it's actually similar to like, 
the, the the baby steps. So if if you have been in the habit of you know not opening, not listening openly, and and maybe like shutting or pointing out the areas that their ideas are not good, start with something really small. So next time they come to you and like want to tell you about their TV show or some like crazy story with their friends that you're not really that interested in, practice these things there. <laughs> So that you can then do it on bigger things that are a little bit that maybe you do need to interject yourself a little bit more Mm -hmm. because maybe they would be doing something that's a little bit dangerous or something that you really don't believe is okay. But if, if you're shutting them down and like talking about their friends or talking about their show or talking about their video game, like you're not even going to have the space in those bigger situations because they're not going to be coming to you. Right. Also, can I add, it's very important to be supportive of their interests because it's, it's a phase. Like, for example, my daughter, it's, it's a phase, you know, she likes Harry Potter. She's like obsessed with Harry mm-hmm. Potter. She makes up quizzes and everything for us. And we're, and we all entertain her because it's like, you know, it's cute. It's innocent. It's fine. But last week I'm like, you know what? You're really into this. I know you're going to grow out of it sooner or later. Let's go take pictures. You know, let's go. She got herself one of those robes of Harry Potter and a wand and the tie and like the whole outfit. Right. And so I took her to a school that's nearby that has that, that very Gothic look. Right. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's take pictures. Let's, let's have fun with it. And I just allowed her to have fun. And I made a little uh, TikTok for her and I showed it to her and she was just like, I could see it in her eyes thinking like, oh, wow. Like she really took interest in doing this for me. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my suggestion to my listeners is, you know, really take interest in what your child is interested in. You don't have to mm-hmm. take them out for pictures. You don't have to do any of these things, but just acknowledge that that's their interest and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think that like, that's something that I will be taking with me too, because I think it is like as a parent who's doing so many things and your kid is talking to you about whatever it is they're interested in, you're like, I'm literally juggling like 400 (laughs) things right now. And you're already kind of like stressed and overwhelmed. But it's like when you take those moments and you don't have to do it all the time where we all make mistakes, but when you can take those moments and connect with them, on what they're connected to, like that is everything. Yes. And they remember that, you know, like, I love that. That's so, I lo- and, and like, you know, it's a phase. You don't, you're not going to have to pretend you love Harry Potter forever. No, She'll grow out of it. <laughs> She'll grow out of it sooner or later. Yeah, that or her right wedding now, will be Harry Potter themed. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be okay too. <laughs> yeah. It would be fine. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Elise. Is there anything else? Oh, I'm definitely going to link up the uh, communication document. I want to link up your link to your Zoom classes and then all your contact information. If anybody's interested, you can follow her on Instagram. And also you're not on Facebook. I am on Facebook. I just connected to my Instagram though. So it's like everything. Yeah. Yeah, I I like Instagram over Facebook anyway, but okay. Yeah. I'll definitely link up everything. I Thank you so much for having this time with me to talk about a very important issue because yeah, parents and teens, we, we need to know how to navigate these years with them and it's, it's their years, right? 
And it's yeah. our years to actually heal. Because if you really look at it in, in, with children when they're growing up, you're really healing your inner child by watching your child and, and raising your child, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think like, I'm so passionate about, you know, there's, I feel like there's all this support for moms of toddlers and new moms. And new then moms, it's like, newborns, yes. Yeah, you know, they they say that there's like the I forget what people call it, but you know, maybe from like 8 to 11, there's these years that like they're pretty self-sufficient and they, you know, and so you kind of get to be a little bit more hands-off. It's not as intense, but then the teen years come. And if you don't like they're hard. They're so hard, and I think like there needs to be more conversations about that support for that because I think a lot of people just are struggling in their own little world and they're like oh well this isn't supposed to be hard I just made it through those years and those were good why am I struggling now it's like because it's hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're pulling away you're holding tighter and so I'm really passionate about like supporting through that phase as well so you don't miss any years with your daughter because it's so special the mother-daughter relationship yeah it is But yeah, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. It it is something that a lot of people don't think about. We, and then the contradiction is like, grow up. (laughs) You're telling a a 14 or 16 year old, like grow up, but you can't do this and you can't do that. And you can't make your own decisions. It's like, that's so contradictory. So don't expect them to grow up. You got to show them the way. And and yeah. let them know you're not a grown up, you're a child, and I'm helping you through this. Yes, yeah, that balance of like honoring them and allowing them to have their process and their feelings, and having really clear boundaries about what's acceptable in your household, and like those are like that's so important. Yes, it is. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Elise. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.